A lot of focus in the smartphone industry, at least here in the US, is spent on the likes of Apple and Samsung, who fight for the attention of every single smartphone buyer. Outside of the US, however, there are many different competitors. Brands like Oppo, Huawei, and Xiaomi push the limits of what a smartphone can do. I'm Jason Cipriani with Jason Perlow, and on this episode of Jason Squared, we're going to talk about what those brands bring to the smartphone table. All right, Perlow, you and I have used quite a few different devices over the years. I've used devices from all over the world, including a handful of Huawei phones that were downright impressive. And lately, I've been digging the new OnePlus 9 Pro, which is available here in the US. And their devices have been traditionally impressive as well. So, you know, there's a lot of brands, a lot of names involved in this, as well as government stuff. So I guess yeah. the best question is, where do you want to start? Yeah, it's a tangled mess, Jason. So, you know, oh, as man. we uh, as we know, you know, many phones are already made in China and they're distributed here, uh, such as Apple's iPhones uh, and Motorola phones, which is a brand owned by Lenovo, which is a gigantic, you know, Chinese company. Uh, but we're, what we're really talking about here are the Chinese brands of phones that have not seen wide distribution in the United States. So over the past four years, we've seen Chinese smartphone companies having difficulty selling their products in the United States. And this is because the previous administration, the Trump administration, took a very adversarial stance um, under the guise that these companies, such as Huawei, were acting as agents of the Chinese government and they were deemed as national security risks. So they were placed on an entity list, okay, uh, with the Commerce Department. So that means that certain restrictions were placed on these companies, which either prevented them from being sold in the United States or made it very difficult for them to be sold here, such as by preventing U.S. companies to do business with them, such as Google, okay? Yeah, which so, Google provides the operating system. Right. I mean, if, if Google can't, can't transact, if Microsoft can't transact, you know, if, if Qualcomm yeah. can't transact, etc., it makes it difficult for the Chinese to build products that are palatable to U.S. consumers, right? So, you know, meanwhile, with these phones kept out of the United States, you know, other countries have been enjoying them. Uh, you know, Huawei has a strong following in the Europe, Middle East, uh, and Africa region. Um, and Honor, uh, which was part of a division of Huawei, but was recently divested from the company, um, has a strong following in the EMEA region as well as South America. Um, Oppo uh, and Xiaomi are both very big smartphone companies in China's domestic market. Yeah, uh, huge. Massive, massive, massive. I think Oppo is currently number one and Xiaomi is number two. Um, and like, you know, Huawei is like number three. Uh, the technology that they're using in those phones are outright amazing. Okay. In many respects, they're not just on par with what Samsung's doing, but also exceed the capabilities of those Galaxy phones. I mean, they've got like, you know, there's a, there's a new Oppo Find um, 3X Pro, which has got like a billion color, 120 hertz display. It, they have cameras that have, you know, microscopic macro lenses for ultra, ultra close-ups. 
they have features that we don't even see in phones that hit the domestic U.S. market. Uh, yeah. And you have one of those phones right now, don't you? I do. It's an incredible phone. It's a phenomenal phone. I mean, and I wish um, they would they would sell them here. I mean, because it, it, it because it compared head to head with the S twenty one Ultra, it, it's it's on par, if not a better device in a number of respects. Yeah, if you go down the spec sheet, stat for stat, there, it's there or it's above most devices we can get yeah. here in the U.S. There's some software issues with any uh, yeah. Android phone that comes from a Chinese manufacturer because they take a different approach and they think about software differently than what Samsung does here in the U.S., which, you know, they've done a crazy amount of research on. But so Oppo uh, is a good brand, but OnePlus is, has, seems to be the only one yeah. that has kept itself in the good graces of the U.S. government. And, you know, originally when it first launched, you know, what the OnePlus One came out, what was it, five years ago, uh, six years ago, somewhere around there, you, their whole their whole approach was never settle, which is still their tagline to today. But they released phones that at the time, you know, Apple and Samsung were selling phones for seven or 800 bucks. That was a high-end flagship device. And OnePlus was selling basically the same exact, exact specs for 400, 500 bucks. You know, fast forward to now and the price of phones across the board, including for OnePlus has gone up. You know, the recently launched OnePlus 9 Pro is about $200 less than the Samsung Galaxy S21 lineup. And it has all the same features as the S21 Ultra. So you're looking at, you know, $1,200 for the S21 yep. Ultra starting price and maxed out the 9 Pro is, I think it's 1069. So, you know, 150, 140 bucks lower. They the uh, S21 Ultra. They do a fantastic job. Um, and, and one of the reasons why I think they're able to keep their prices low is they're, overwhelmingly direct sales model. So, you know, when we talk about direct sales, you know, I, direct sales was something that was a fairly new concept about 30 or 40 years ago, um, when originally, you know, Dell was the first company in the United States to truly do direct sales of computer systems. It used to be that you had to do exactly kind of like what we do with smartphones most of partly today, which was you, know, you had to go into a computer store and a reseller would sell you a computer, you know, with from a salesman and they, you know, the whole thing. And you have to go through a whole sales process and whatnot. Um, kind of like what, you know, happens to when you go into a carrier store and, you know, you buy an iPhone at a carrier, or you buy an Android at a carrier or whatnot. Um, OnePlus, though, is almost exclusively you go to their website, you buy it directly. And, you know, and, and then obviously there's some. To some extent, they do a little bit of carrier business directly. I think like with T-Mobile. T-Mobile, though. Yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, OnePlus's sales are direct. So having that direct sales channel has been very, very good for them. And I and It also I makes it that, hard, though. Yeah, it does make it hard because of it's, it's, it's less exposed, right? You have to know to go there, right? Yeah. I don't know what the stat is now, but I think at one point it was 80 or 90% of smartphone buyers buy it from the carrier store because they can pick it up and actually use it. So OnePlus has made great inroads in the US against all odds, right? Like not only are they facing issues with other Chinese companies getting blacklisted from, from doing business here in the US, but they're not in carrier stores where most of, most people buy their phones. And so, you know, it, it's, it's taken a solid following online and they've made some marketing snafus over the years that have been very controversial but it's yeah. also been good 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 publicity for them 
you know, and uh, it's gotten the brand out there. My, my biggest hang up, we'll go on to something else after this, but my biggest hang up with the 9 Pro is its 5G support. It is mm. all over the place. Um, really? You know, it, it has more, more bands than any OnePlus device has ever had for 5G, but it does not work with AT&T. So it launched here in the U.S. with uh -huh. carrier partner T-Mobile, full support for T-Mobile. I think the day after it launched or day of launch, it got Verizon certification. So it supports Verizon 5G. But AT&T, it does not and will not ever support 5G. I, I have the same exact problem with the Oppo. Um, the Oppo Find X, uh, Find X3 does not work on 5G on AT&T. So I'm, I, I mean, I, we'll talk about the similarity between the two companies in a minute. But I, I've been seeing some very strange behavior with Chinese phones, or rather, strange attitudes towards using Chinese phones on U.S. carriers, right? You know, I, I had a couple of spare Chinese phones. Uh, one, I wanted to get to a friend over the weekend because uh, he had messed up his phone. And uh, I just happened to have one of these, uh, one from a previous year lying around. And he was using Cricket, which is a, uh, a service that resells AT&T bandwidth. Essentially, you know, they're they're like they're like the the bargain basement version of AT and T. Um, they're they, owned by AT and T. <laughs> are they owned by AT and T? Well, when you yeah. connect it to when you connect it to Cricket, it basically says uh, we won't activate your phone because you don't support X Y Z, whatever. Which is BS because it works fine on AT and T's four G. Right. Um, it yeah. would even you would even connect to their to their four G system. Um, you just got a nasty message, which is not we won't support this. So that that is that is definitely an issue, you know, with these phones that aren't sold by the carriers with this whole BYO scenario. I mean, I mean, yeah. they don't do this to Apple. You know, they dare not do this to Apple, but, you know, they, they'll do it to other manufacturers that they don't do business with. So that is one of the things you have to be careful of when you go out to like, you know, uh, AliExpress or something. You want to buy one of these phones and play with them because it looks cool. Uh, even if you look at the band support on the radios and they match the carrier's bands, you might still run into a problem. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I haven't ran into those issues, but, uh, you know, it, it's always when you import a phone that's designed and built for another country, support for bands and other stuff is, is always going to be something to, you know, pay attention to. And, but in your situation, Working on AT&T and then not working on Cricket just doesn't make sense because it's the same exact network. Oh, I know. Usually you can throw a Cricket SIM card into any AT&T phone and it's going to work just fine, at least the, since, you know, in the last couple the, of years. Because at one point it was a Sprint. Cricket the thing is, is that a lot of these Chinese phones are designed to be global and, yeah. and have carrier support everywhere on this planet. Right. So, I mean, that's they 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 literally I mean, they buy. The Qualcomm, you know, like the Oppo Find X3, that's a Qualcomm triple eight, right? With the with the latest yeah. and greatest X6, whatever it is, modem or whatever it is, that is designed to work everywhere. So there really isn't, shouldn't be, I mean, and these are marketed in the literature as global phones, right? I mean, I mean, you should be able to take that Chinese phone, go into Germany, bam, no problem. Or go into somewhere in the Caribbean, bam. Go to South America, bam. It should just work as long as you have the SIM card for that service or you have a roaming agreement in place. It should just work. So some of this stuff is just political nonsense that's occurring to, to blacklist these products. Um, yeah, which know, is a good segue into talking about Huawei. You know, yeah. It, 
I've used, yeah. like we talked about at the top of the show, I've used a lot of Huawei devices. I have a few around my office still. I know you've used a lot of Huawei devices. I even went to Europe at one point um, for a Huawei trip, and where they took us around Italy, Germany, and uh, they ended up in Paris taking photos with their latest phone at the time. Uh, we, we toured the Leica facility, the manufacturing facility for Leica, which the factory was amazing. I'm yeah. a huge camera nerd at times. And that was, I mean, that's a bucket list type of type of deal, but they, I think it was the 20 pro back then. I don't remember what model of phone was launching or had just launched that, you know, they were trying to get us to talk about. And there were features in that phone that Google and Apple and Samsung hadn't implemented yet, like night photos and long yeah. exposure photos. And, and, you know, I remember taking pictures of the chapel in Italy using long exposure and night photos and just being amazed at what that phone could do. And, you know, we were very close to actually seeing Huawei enter the U.S. market. I mean, it was a couple of years ago at yeah. CES, AT&T was getting ready to announce the first carrier partnership for Huawei and the government shut it down. I think the morning of the press yeah. conference it was, was canceled. It was very depressing when that happened. Very depressing. Yeah. And even the Honor brand, you mentioned it and recently divested yeah. from Huawei. But their phones, which continued to still be available for a little while after Huawei was banned, which I you know, I found some humor in, uh, you know, they were like the the more affordable Huawei phones that had some of the same features, but were very right. entry level models. They, they were great phones as well. And so, you know, it's really, it's frustrating that they're not available here. And I really wish the government would come out and say, instead of, you know, we just, we have to put them on the entity list and you can't do business with them and they can't come to the U S you know, give us some vague specifics on why that is instead of just saying it's not going to happen. Yeah. So, you know, Huawei is an interesting company because they're not just a manufacturer of smartphones. You know, they are a telecom company that competes with the likes of Qualcomm, you know, for carrier equipment. And also, you know, they also manufacture, you know, they're vertically integrated in the same respect that Samsung is. They actually can make their own microprocessors. You know, they, the, the, yeah. they, they own Kirin. Uh, HI Silicon, which is, you know, they make chip, they make ARM chips that are as good, if not better than, than what Samsung does. I mean, and they're, they're, they are capable of engineering um, at, at, at Apple level in terms of, of the, the chips they can make. Um, the, the, but they also own a lot of 5G patents, right? And they make a lot of 5G carrier equipment um, that is considerably less expensive than what Qualcomm and you know, uh, you know some of the other European, uh, you know, telecom manufacturers can make. Uh, you know, the bans of these companies um, are really disheartening because it stifles competition. Uh, the first company that got whacked by this um, was ZTE, and that was before the Trump administration. That was on the you know the tail end of, of the Obama administration. Um, Arguably, that company deserved to get fined and their products banned from the United States because they violated U.S. export restrictions. They actually ended up selling, you know, American equipment, uh, 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 components that were of a U.S. origin to Iran and North Korea. Um, yeah. The company eventually bounced back a bit. Um, they had a huge management restructuring. They paid billions of dollars in fines. Um, and they were under, they, they got under U.S. observation, you know, 
uh, you know, with the U.S. embedded people, you know, making sure that the company was doing the right thing. And then they started to sell their equipment again in North America um, after about four years. Uh, however, in July of this year, the company again, again came under, you know, the ire of the U.S. government uh, because the company recently accepted an award from the Chinese military, right? <laughs> so now both ZTE and Huawei are being classified by the FCC as security risks due to ties to the Chinese military apparatus, right? Now, that's kind of a nebulous statement because uh, essentially every Chinese company you know, if you make equipment, if you make components in China, you have some ties to the Chinese government because they subsidize, you know, their companies and stuff in a lot of ways that we do. Um, so now, you know, U.S. carriers can no longer buy ZTE equipment or Huawei equipment. Now, this is really unfortunate in multiple respects because it's not just the consumer that can't get these access to these more, these less expensive and highly competitive products. It's the carriers themselves that are building out 5G networks in more rural areas. So, you know, it's not just the AT&Ts, the Verizons, and the T-Mobiles of the world, you know, who are trying to build out infrastructure for 5G in the U.S. There are many smaller carriers in less populated areas that the larger carriers, you know, just don't operate in. Uh, but the smaller carriers, they can't afford to go out and buy equipment from Qualcomm, right? Who's the leader in yeah. 5G carry equipment space. Um, you know, Huawei and ZTE stuff is much less expensive, you know, up to like a third of the cost. It sure is. So the government has now made it impossible for carriers to use federal funds, right? Because there's a subsidy aspect of what's happening with the, with the national uh, 5G, you know, network uh, infrastructure. To use, you know, to use those federal funds to buy equipment from Huawei and ZTE. So it puts those carriers in a really bad spot. So if they can't buy carrier equipment, they're not going to sell the handsets either. Right. So that's right. That's it, it's that's a two double edged sword. Unfortunate. And that's kind of like what we're dealing with right now. And yeah, there is and much so what, what it. Right. Yeah. What ends up happening then is they end up buying or leasing or renting, however you want to phrase it, uh, bandwidth from the major carriers, right? So right. smaller smaller carriers like maybe U.S. Cellular uh, or uh, there's one down in the south, I can't think of the name right now. They end up having to yeah. lease bandwidth from the large carriers in order to, or they don't compete, right? They either roll out their own 5G network, they lease roaming agreements, pay for roaming agreements to have a 5G network, or they don't have a 5G network at all. Which and you end up having major, really you, bad you, spot. you have some very serious coverage problems in certain areas now. Right, with roaming agreements, you're not prioritized. That carrier is not prioritized. Whoever owns that equipment, their customers are prioritized for connections and coverage. So that's, and, but that's a whole nother show. So let's talk about Lenovo a little bit. They yeah. bought Motorola a few years ago from Google after yep. Google bought Motorola and used used it basically to take over a whole bunch of patents. I mean, that's really all the purchase was, right? It was a $12 billion purchase or something like that. And they kept yeah. a lot of their patents. But Motorola has continued on, you know, just like a good soldier, making budget-friendly phones that sells like crazy throughout the world. Yep. Brazil, I think, is their biggest market. In the U.S., they sell a lot of low-end budget phones. And 
they're seriously good. They're some of the best Itchy Lover uh, two three hundred dollars you can buy. The G six and the G seven. I don't know how many of those things that they sold, but that is incredible foam for the money. Honestly, yeah. You always feel like you get a good deal, or at least when I review those phones, like. I can't believe that those phones are only a couple hundred bucks. So now, but now they're getting into the high high end stuff like the Razer, and they released a couple other phones in in 2020 that you know pushed the thousand dollar mark, nine hundred dollar mark. It, none of it really caught on. I haven't seen, I haven't been out a lot, but I haven't seen or heard anyone talk about those phones or seen one in public. But you know they're still available here. They they've kept themselves out of the mess that these other companies have gotten yeah. into. It, but, you know, Motorola originally was was here in the U.S., so I, maybe that plays a part into it. I don't know. I, well, you know, I think Motorola still has a lot of engineering um, concern. In Chicago. Uh, in Chicago and also in Florida still. So yeah. I think that, that kind of keeps them kind of a pseudo U.S. company, even though they're under, you know, Chinese ownership. So, yeah. I mean, as an engineering organization, they're extremely competent. I mean, you know, I but now the Razer, I think, was, I think, a bit too ambitious with some of the design elements and maybe a little underpowered. Uh, but that hinge design they came up with was really cool. And, I, and I'm hoping yeah. we see more of that in the future in phone designs, you know, because I, I think they solved that problem that, you know, Samsung had, you know, with the folding phones you know, with 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 the with the failure rates they were seeing on the displays and on the on that that fold area, and it just really, I mean, the mechanism is cool. I mean, I was really yeah, impressed with is. what they did. Very yeah, impressive. I went to the the launch event for the folding razor uh, in L.A. It would have been November what 2019. It was right before the pandemic. And that's actually the last business trip I took was to LA for the razor launch. And it was, it was an outdoor event. It was freezing cold in LA in November, but I remember getting some time in the hands-on room, uh, for that, with that phone. And it just, it was super impressive. And it, it, in my opinion, that's the way folding display phones should be right now. And Samsung has their own phone that does this as well with the Z fold. Uh, or the Z Flip, but it, it uh, to your point, I have not heard anything bad about screens breaking on the Razer or Never. any issues, right? That's, Samsung no. launched foldable displays with a whole bunch of a whole bunch of drama and controversy and Razer, Motorola launched the Razer, and other than it being underpowered and too expensive and out of stock for the first couple of weeks, if not month, there was no controversy with it. Nothing, still, nothing, no, nothing about the hardware failing or anything like that. Right. Um, a year and a half yeah. later, there's still nothing. So. Yeah, and and but you know, right now, you know, uh, they're really the only major Chinese company selling phones in the United States. Now, I mean, yeah, and I mean, again, OnePlus makes a really solid device, but again, they're kind of uh, you know on the fringe. I I think you know competition is important in the consumer electronics industry. And now we're kind of approaching a point where there isn't a lot of choice or competition in the smartphone space, at least in North America and the United States. Look, you got Apple, right? Yeah. You have essentially Samsung and Motorola left in the mass market space. Uh, the Google Pixar is a really tiny player in the overall market. If you look at their market share, it's like maybe like 2.6% or something like that. It's nothing. Um, yeah. And I don't consider Microsoft business you know, if they have any real impact yet. Now that's assuming they continue with that after what I would call, yeah. you know, a less than stellar launch with Duo. You know, OnePlus is really the only direct sale third runner now because, you know, LG abandoned their smartphone business 
um, this which, week. Which they made a living in the U.S. on the low end. I, I mean, if, yeah. if someone had an LG phone, they bought it likely from Walmart or likely from the carrier store for a couple hundred bucks or under that. And so LG, they, there's there's a spot to fill here and maybe Motorola does. Samsung just announced a ton of new phones. But again, you're yeah. not, not having a whole lot of options, right? You're, the A32 is a $179. No, two hundred seventy nine dollar five G phone. And by the it's way, you know, cricket, do, do, by the way. Do you know why? Do you know why they're able to get the cost down that to two seventy nine? MediaTek processor, Chinese microprocessor made microprocessor. <laughs> right. So here's right. the thing: we we we're afraid of bringing all the, the we're afraid of bringing Xiaomi's and Oppo's and T, and ZTEs and Huawei's and T9s because they're of Chinese origin. Yet all the components that go into these phones are of Chinese origin. That's that's what keeps the cost down. Right, that MediaTek processor. Interestingly enough, you know Samsung is a manufacturer. Right, they they make they make Qualcomm's chips, right? In addition to yeah. their own chips, but obviously their own chips and Qualcomm's chips are expensive enough for them to make that it's cheaper for them to, to source from MediaTek. You know, right. to make to, to make the A thirty two to get it down to that yeah. two seventy nine. That's crazy. 279 for a 5G phone. Could you imagine what those prices would be if there was more competition? Oh, forget it. Forget it. I mean, if we if we had if we had if we had Huawei's, ZTEs, and Xiaomi's in the U.S. and, and who knows what else other you know weird companies you know we 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 don't ever, we don't see. Um, you know, we could prop we could easily get a 5G phone down to two hundred dollars. I I, yeah. I I think it's possible. But today it's, it's, instead of a year from now. Yes, today it would happen today. Um, yeah. You know, and and you know, it, it, here's the thing. You know, it's kind of crazy. You know, I was talking to somebody yesterday, uh, the CEO of Backflip, and uh, you know, this is a company that is based out of Austin, and they are a new company that entered the resale market. So basically, if you go to Backflip.com, they just launched in like the last two weeks. Uh, right now, they're only dealing with Apple, you know, and Samsung devices and, you know, a couple and pixels. Right. Um, but if you pick the phone and, you know, they you resell it and you know, they give you a good price for it. And, you know, they, they inspect it at the, the um, inspected at UPS. So you pretty much can get paid for it almost right away. Right. You get guaranteed, you know, so it's, it's excellent that way. But what the guy was telling me that um, the the. The majority of the of the customers out there need to have like instant liquidity when it comes to selling their phones back, because your average person selling a phone is is only has like an income of like forty thousand dollars a year, right? So think about that, right? You know, with a lot of these apples and, and Samsungs, you're at the thousand dollar price point. That is a huge percentage of your annual income. So really, yeah. we have to get these phones down cheaper. You know, much cheaper. I agree 100%. You know, yeah. I'll be honest, I've never used a Xiaomi or an Oppo device, although there is a lot of debate and it's followed uh, OnePlus yeah. since they launched whether or not Oppo owns OnePlus. They share a lot of similarities. Uh, I think they even share some manufacturing facilities. Yep. And there's been some financial ties uncovered, but it, it's, are they the same company? I don't know. It's up for debate. Yeah, you know, kind of the it's kind of weird the way that Chinese companies operate. You know, their 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 national infrastructure as far as how these companies are related to each other. You know, there's there are family members that have you know financial holdings in certain companies, 
and these companies do business with each other in a really tight fashion. Because you got to remember, you know, these you got factories that you know, like Foxconn, while you know, uh, Han Hai, that are large, or you know, Quanta, these large scale manufacturing companies that don't necessarily have their own brands, but they're essentially foundries for making products, right? And they may make, you know, an Oppo and a OnePlus in the same factory. Not just in the same factory, but also from similar design specifications, right? You know, like, right. you know, they'll use the same, a similar bills of materials sourced from similar suppliers. So the distinction of whether or not it's the same company isn't really, let's put it this way, they all come from this very similar DNA. Right, yeah. There's similar even DNA. A rumor yeah. right around the OnePlus 9 launch, and I think it was debunked. I think the company came out and said it's not happening, or maybe it's only happening in China. I don't remember that OnePlus was switching to Oppo's uh, Android skin going forward. So their Oxygen OS was going away, and they were going to use the software that Oppo loads on their device. Color in OS, China. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, look, these rumors have followed them from the launch of the company. Uh, whether or not they're true, I don't know. So, arguably, I've never used one. Maybe I have, and just it's called something else. Who knows? But uh, do you have any closing thoughts, Jason? My closing thoughts are this. Look, I, I think we need to, now that we have a new presidential administration, right? I And, you know, I think relationship, our relationship with China right now is at an all-time low. Now, look, it's not, not all of it is our fault, okay? Although I would say that we didn't, we did, we didn't, we didn't do anything to make the problem get 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 we, we didn't anything to improve the relationship in the last four years right right um yes. so i you know there there are you know china is a country that is strengthening its military they are getting more aggressive with you know territorial disputes in you know the pacific um you know yeah, all those things are true. Yes, they do spy on us. Yes, you know, just as we as a as a sovereign nation spy on other countries, you yeah. know. So uh, that is that is all true. But at the same time, you know, I, I we do trade a lot with China. Uh, they buy a lot of stuff from us. We buy a lot of stuff from them. Um, I think there is an opportunity here at least to for us to go to the table with them and say, listen, you know, we don't like you doing X, Y and Z. We need you to tone this down. Um, you know, we need to agree to do certain things and agree to, to not allow certain things. And let's start talking about, you know, lowering trade barriers and things like that and, and, and start to return us to a state that we were in maybe 10 years ago where things were in better shape. Right. Um, and yeah. for for the benefit of consumers in both our countries, period. End of story. Um, yeah, I think it's going to take because we are dealing with these these bad vibes and bad feelings from the coronavirus. Uh, you know that that is definitely something that we're going to need to tackle. You know, um, once that once we get over this hump, you know, we we need we need to reestablish you know, a, a dialogue with, with China again, you know, in a productive fashion. Uh, and whether we do that with smartphones or, or, or with other forms of international trade, I'm not sure. But we, we, need, to, we need to start someplace, for sure. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I just wish that, you know, these, these other brands were here in the country. Uh, even DJI has recently been added to this entity list. Oh, wow. Um, the, 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 uh, the drone company, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, 
because they had ties to the uh, Chinese military as well. So, you know, it's frustrating. If these companies are doing, let me be very clear. If these companies are doing something they shouldn't, that's fine. I'm all for them being banned. It's frustrating because I would like the competition here in the U.S. Yeah. to give us better alternatives or more alter- alternatives to Apple, Samsung, and Motorola. Uh, so, But if they're doing something wrong, they don't need to be here. Uh, I, but I want to know more. I wish we could... I wish the government would just come out and, like I said, give us vague specifics on what's going on and why they're not allowed to uh, be here. In the I US. agree. But we, need, I, we need some more I'm transparency. All, Absolutely. No yep. question. I'm all, I'm all for more competition. Hopefully it's something that happens. Hopefully someone, someone out there somewhere, some company fills in the place of LG here in the U.S. and, and does a better job at it. Obviously, I mean, they ditched their smartphone uh, segment, you know, just within this last week, they officially announced it was done. And that removes competition here in the U.S., even if it was just a small percentage of it. So hopefully someone fills in that void and uh, gives Apple and Samsung and even OnePlus, for that matter, a run for their money. Uh, yep. Yeah, let's hopefully it's something that happens here sooner than later. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks for listening. I'm Jason Cipriani. And I'm Jason Perlow. And this is Jason Squared. We appreciate we appreciate your time. And uh, th- thanks again for listening. Make sure to check out more of our work at ZDNet.com.